Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, y'all. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are ecstatic to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Mr. Cameron Clutter is, as always, our barista. And right away this morning, we'll continue our Advent series of Reflections Rejoice Advent Meditations with the Holy Family. And then joining us at 8.15 or so is our new friend, Mercedarian brother, Kevin Cush. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. He starts with a prayer. Yes. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this day. Especially we thank you for the gift of your mother, the gift that you've given to us as our mother. We ask for a deeper devotion to her, to just trust that she always takes us to you in the quickest, easiest way possible. She is leading us and guiding us to you always. And in that, we ask for a deeper relationship with you as well, our Lord. That we just give our hearts to you in particular this Advent season to just journey with the Holy Family as we journey together in this Rejoice book and to draw closer to you. And we pray this all through the intercession of Mary and in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The church today celebrates the Immaculate Conception, the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Our Holy Father, Pope Francis says, by contemplating our beautiful, immaculate mother, let us also recognize our truest destiny, our deepest vocation, to be loved, to be transformed by love, to be transformed by the beauty of God. That's nice. Way to go, Pope Francis. That was wonderful. So... Mass last night. Yeah, I saw you yeah. at Mass. We were both at St. Paul's for the vigil. Mm-hmm. Beautiful Mass. Beautiful Mass. Father Olvera celebrated. He has such a, a beautiful devotion Yeah. Uh, to Our Lady. And, uh, that was beautiful. Uh, you were over in the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the uh, young adult section I that I, I didn't know we had in a it's young an adult. It's an actual so. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, at St. Paul's in particular, the young adults just have kind of made it their own plan to, hey, this is in general where we'll be sitting in case you ever come to mass and you want to sit together. So Up front. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is up front. <laughs> is that a problem, Dave? It's no, it's not a problem. <laughs> well, when I told you this morning, you said you should be in back. <laughs> <laughs> because of the, the fine eyesight and hearing oh, you all you okay. all have in common. So <laughs> that does make sense. Yeah. Okay. Got it. We were up near the front on the right side mm. and uh beautiful family. Uh, in front of us, three young daughters. So, so kind of brought back memories of being with the when the girls were when they were that young. But one of their daughters broke into spontaneously a rousing, rousing version of "Go Tell It on the Mountain" <laughs> uh, near the end of mass. It, I mean, it was beautiful. Uh, the mom was a little bit horrified 
at, at first, but uh, yeah. Right. It was joyful. It was. That's excellent. It was beautiful. Can I have a cookie? Um. Yeah, of course. We have our feast day cookies. Yeah. So actually the family I w- live with, John, he is an amazing baker and he made these. I, I believe they're oh. his, his mother's recipe. So homemade ginger cookies. Nice. So, yeah, they're excellent. I may save mine until after we do our meditation. Sounds good. Then do, do we have uh, ice cream? Oh, that's a good question. I wonder if we have ice cream in the freezer. Grubhub. We we should celebrate today, <laughs> though. At some point, we will. Mm-hmm. Right now. Yay! Let's do it. Galdete. <laughs> So let's jump into Rejoice, Advent Meditations with the Holy Family. Uh, This is the uh, book that we're using for our Advent Meditations by Father Mark Toops. And here we are on Friday of the first week of Advent. Mr. Clutter. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Father Mark writes, For many of us, this first week of Advent has been challenging. As we learn more about how Mary and Joseph loved each other, the light that shines in their relationship can illumine our own relationship. It may feel challenging to consider how Mary and Joseph were completely available or to consider the depth with which they loved each other. We may feel intimidated by the standard to which they held themselves or to the love as as they did willing only the good for the other. It may feel sobering to consider that no human being can ultimately complete us or fulfill all our needs. When we look deeply into their lives, we cannot help but look deeply into our own lives. And here is the good news. God wants to help you. The only way Mary was able to say yes to God and live her life the way that she did with his grace, the only way... Joseph was able to love Mary as purely as he did, was with God's grace. Mary and Joseph needed God's help. God longed for their holiness. God was eager to help. The devil usually tempts us with 90% truths. In other words, 90% of whatever we hear in temptation may seem true and good. It is the remaining 10% that makes the entire temptation 100% false and bad. For example, you may be tempted to think that Mary and Joseph were saints. They were holy. They were called by God to raise Jesus, the word incarnate. I am not as holy as them. I cannot be that holy. But let's unpack that statement. Mary and Joseph were saints, 100% true. They were holy, again, 100% true. I am not as holy as them, yet again, 100% true. I cannot be that holy. Okay, let's stop right there. What this statement is really implying is, I cannot be that holy on my own. This is true. You cannot. But the hidden deception that makes it false is that God is asking you to be holy on your own. He is not. He is offering you his grace, which alone makes such holiness possible. Mary and Joseph needed God's help. You need God's help. God does not want to help you less than he helped Mary and Joseph. 
God is longing to help you. Regardless of your past or how often you have failed, and regardless of your present or how much you may be struggling, God is eager to help you. Amen. Our scripture passage this morning is from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 26. Amanda? I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to fertility, not of its own will, but by the will of him who subjected it to hope, subjected it in hope, because of the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning with labor pains together until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groaning inwardly as we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, but who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs of too deep for words. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God is eager to help us. Cam, God is eager to help you. I actually, and, and, and that notion really stuck out to me too, because I was replacing the every you and really making it personal and saying like, okay, God is eager to help you, Cam. Like, mm. And I was like, oh yeah, that's true. How often I think we forget that something that stood out to me is as I was reading the reflection from Father Mark is way back when I was in high school, I went to St. Patrick's downtown and Father Michael Mary Dosh was the pastor of St. Patrick's, the Dominican friar at the time. And he always used to say to us in the, in the youth group, uh, God loves you and he wants you to be happy. Mm. And, and then he would say, stop with that for just a second. God wants you to be happy. God wants to help you. God wants your goodness. Um, and tying it to the scripture reflection today, 2 verse 19 says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Pause for a second. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of you, sons and daughters of God, for you who are becoming saints. Mm. Um, and that just like, I think that in in itself captures what God's heart is for us is he wants us to become the most full most happy most fulfilled um version of ourselves which sometimes we don't realize for ourselves that's what father mark was getting at with that like little dialogue in there of of 
we might look at Mary and Joseph and say, oh, they were saints, I can't be that. Oh, they were holy, I can't be that. On your own, correct, you can't. Right. But it's not It's not on your own. That comes down to verse 26 in the reflection that we do not know how to pray as we ought, but it's the Holy Spirit who intercedes through us. Amanda. Hmm. Yeah. I think, I think also what struck out to me was that last line in the reflection, eager, that word eager. Um, but also the paragraph right before that, you need God's help. Like if, I don't know, if we could just actually let that sink in, you need God's help and come to him every day in that disposition then, yeah, I think he'll be eager to help us when we also recognize our our utter need. That's that's different from just saying, you know, God's available if we want his help. Right. You know, if, you know, if we're in a situation and, you know, if we could use another, a hand, then he's available, which he is. But the point is that we need his help Mm -hmm. that we're not going to be able to do it on our own one of the pictures that really sticks out to me when i think of god's eagerness to help is michelangelo's the creation of adam Mm. um painted on the sistine chapel ceiling right and if you look at the picture the part that i always focus on is their their two hands and if you look at adam's hand it's kind of draped like like really relaxed and and etc and god is like you can see his muscles straining as he just Mm. reaches and reaches for Adam and takes the 99 steps. And all he asks Adam to do is like raise that one little finger (laughs) to be able to touch God and and to be able to help. And that, uh, I think it just captures God's eagerness in that way. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The opening section of uh, Father Toops writing today really stood out also where for more for many of us the first week of advent has been challenging and i really thought about just uh the blessing um cam you and i share um we have uh, spouses that are also pursuing god and how fortunate we are that that they've met met christ that they know the lord and we're on that journey as couples. But I'm also thinking of um, marriages where one of the spouses hasn't met the Lord yet. Mm. And all those prayers that, um, you know, the other spouse has for them, for their conversion. And I know we, we pray for our spouses every day for that, for that ongoing conversion, but how important the community is, uh, to support all those that are, you know, that are, that are yearning for that conversion and how important, um, extended family, parish community, small groups, all are on this journey and how, um, we can't lone ranger it, 
you know, we, we can't just try to do it on our own, which Father Toops makes very clear here that we should never, we can't do it on our own. We need God's grace. We need God's help, but we also need people to walk, to walk with us. Mm-hmm. Actually, when you shared about, you know, spouses or family members and the fervent prayer that we have for, for them to also come in relationship with our Lord. Uh, what came to mind was a quote that I heard this morning, it, which was, surely it is a delightful thing for the Savior to save. And I was really struck by that because he came to save and surely it is a delightful thing for him to save. Mm. And so for when we pray for those that we love to pray in hopeful expectation that he wants to save. For all of us, right? Right. right. Yeah. He has that same yearning for every one of his children. Right. And I, I think the holiness of Mary and Joseph, you know, we can look at them because this idea of their utter docility and reliance on the Lord as well, mm-hmm. which we can definitely emulate. And that brings the first week of Advent for, to a conclusion here in the cafe. So we'll be back on Monday to continue with second week, Monday. Friends, uh, hopefully you have your own copies at this point of Rejoice Advent Meditations with the Holy Family. Uh, and that way we can do them keep it Saturday up. and Saturday Sunday. Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Father, I humbly ask you to make this Advent my best ever. Help me to find you deep within. Teach me how to ask for help. Brother Kevin Cush is with us next. Stay with us here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. Oh, good Jesus, you are the most high God, everlasting and always living. You have shown us the way to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to guide us. We implore thy most sacred heart to have mercy on us in this time of need. Bless and protect the vulnerable. Give hope to all and fill our hearts with confidence in your divine mercy. Be our joy in the midst of suffering and our stability in the midst of uncertainty. Your forgiveness we seek, your love we need, your protection we implore. Forgive our sins and heal our wounds. Strengthen any weakness of faith and make us strong so as to give witness to your glory. Keep far from us any illness, pestilence, or harm. You are our refuge. You are our comfort. You are our hope. Through the intercession of Our Lady, health of the sick, we come to your most sacred heart and beseech your protection and blessing. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Amen. Do you have a minute for a gift? Each of us were made as a gift and to be a gift. We become a gift when we give ourselves to others. In baptism, we receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit to draw us closer to God and to help us live virtuously. The Holy Spirit's gift of knowledge helps direct our minds to make judgments in the light of faith. This gift of knowledge perfects the theological virtue of faith within us. God's spirit of knowledge guides us in knowing what to believe and how to share it with others. Let us ask for the gift of knowledge and the grace to live virtuously.
God's Spirit makes us free. Let us ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let us live in the freedom that Jesus gives and become a gift of self for others. I'm Lori Crock, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. Our Catholic faith is a tangible sensory experience of both body and soul. In the Holy Mass, we smell the incense, we touch the holy water, we taste and see body and blood of Christ, and we hear and respond to the sound of beautiful music. Sacred scripture also overflows with sensory illusion. From Matthew 11, he who has ears ought to hear. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 2 Corinthians 2, for we are the aroma of Christ. Matthew 8, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. Psalm 34, O taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, give us a greater appreciation for our physical senses that heighten our piety and deepen our love for you. Amen. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn. Galdete! <laughs> Dave, we're not there yet. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. Eager anticipation. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, brother Kevin Cush. Thank you so much for having me. Cleveland native, right? Lakewood? Yes. Yes. Lakewood? Mm -hmm. Right on. So you are a Mercedarian brother. White habit. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm at uh, Holy Family Parish here in Columbus, and then I study at the Pontifical College Josephinum. As a seminarian? Yes. What year? First theology. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so tell us a little bit about yourself growing up. Uh, were you raised Catholic? I was raised Catholic. Uh, my father is Anglican and mm -hmm. my mother Catholic, but I was baptized Catholic and made my first communion and everything Roman Catholic. Um, my vocation story started out pretty young. Uh, you don't hear it that much that nowadays, but when I made my first communion was when I first really sensed the call to... Uh, towards the priesthood. Wow. So very young. Mm -hmm. What was that impression like? I can only uh, say that it, it came from God because I it wasn't in, I had no family members um, who were priests or religious. And then my own parents were, my mom, mom was Catholic, but kind of semi-practicing. Would go to mass on Sundays if she could, if she well, wanted to go that day. But I, um, made my first communion and I just fell in love with the church. And, and I said that the Lord kind of placed on my heart when I was young, second grade, uh, wow. the priesthood. So I w remember when I was, after making my first communion, uh, going and waking up my mom in the morning, we got to go to church. Uh, it's Sunday morning. Um, so falling in love with the Eucharist from a young age. Have they been supportive of uh, your vocation? My my mom has. Yeah. Uh, my dad, a little, a little less so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But... But he's there for me. By grace. Yeah. Amen. Mm -hmm. When did you meet the Mercedarians? So I met the, the Mercedarians in high school. So uh, they had a parish in Cleveland near my house. It wasn't my home parish, but I started going there for daily mass in high school. So I was introduced to the community there. Okay. And then uh, where'd you go to college? I went to John Carroll University uh -huh. in Cleveland okay. mm -hmm. and studied uh, history. Okay. And then so after graduation... 
mm-hmm. you pursued the vocation then with, I did. with the Mercedarians. What, mm-hmm. uh, what was your aspirancy like? So I did a year of postulancy okay. at our house in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. where I did pre-theology, studied philosophy at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in, in Overbrook in Philadelphia. And then I did, did that just close? They're moving. Moving. They're moving locations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't been there, but I heard it's just an amazingly beautiful it campus was there. Stunning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Especially the uh, Immaculate Conception Chapel. Ah. So they had woodwork, um, all of the, the pews, the choir stalls from the, the mid 19th century. Just mm-hmm. really beautiful place to pray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you spent a year there in Philadelphia? A year in Philadelphia. And then after that, a year of novitiate, which I did in San Ramon, Spain. So our novitiate house in Catalonia uh, with seven other novices um, for that year. Did you know Spanish before you went? I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that, that helped Paid out. off. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in high school, I that was my worst class in high school was Spanish. And then my senior year of high school, I um, they had these flyers for foreign exchange programs around the building. And I said, well, I'll try, apply, see if I, I make it. And uh, I was sent to Mexico. So I, for what was my worst subject to, to speaking Spanish fluently. That's the key. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on Duolingo. <laughs> I'll get yeah. there one day. I Maybe I just need to take a trip to Mexico or Spain. <laughs> I, a remote broadcast coming, yeah. coming up. Yeah. <laughs> So, brother, then how long have you been back in the States then? Just since August. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was that a difficult transition back? Uh, the, the time change was a little bit of an adjustment. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Spain, uh, you wake up at maybe 8 o'clock and you're up until midnight. We're here. Uh, prayers are nice and early in the morning at yeah. 6 o'clock. So. <laughs> well, cult- yeah, so culturally the time is different as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But did you have a nice siesta? Is that? Oh that, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. No siestas now. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't work that into the Josephinum schedule, do they? They do not. <laughs> what was there uh, specifically about the Mercedarians that attracted you? Uh, I think more than anything else was Our Lady. Um, so the Mercedarians, we claim Our Lady, Our Lady of Mercy, as the foundress of the order. So wow. with the Franciscans, you. Uh, really turned to St. Francis, the mm-hmm. Dominicans, St. Dominic, where our founder was St. Peter Nolasco, but we were never known as the Nolascans. We were always the Mercedarians after Our Lady of Mercy. Okay. So the centrality of Our Lady um, and really her being the mother of the order. So she appeared to our founder uh, in 1218 to found the order. So that apparition really solidified the order as being her own not just an order about her, but her order. In in Spain? In Spain. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in, uh, our, our Lady appeared to our founder, St. Peter Nolasco, in Montserrat. Okay. So the same place where St. Ignatius was inspired to found yeah. uh, the Jesuits 300 years later was the site of our kind of um, spiritual foundation. Mm-hmm. So you, you were in uh, Montserrat first. Mm-hmm. Well, he <laughs> started there and then... Uh, the order was officially founded in Barcelona. Okay. With the help of the bishop and uh, King James I of Aragon. Mm-hmm. Then uh, what's the uh, connection to between the Mercedarians and the Immaculate Conception? Yeah, so in the 13th century, there was some debate going on about 
how we could discuss theologically the Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. So in the year 1290, um, uh, kind of a miracle happened in our convent in Barcelona. So at that time, there was very strict um, discipline about keeping holy the Lord's Day. So no work on Sundays. They would have viewed um, certain things sinful if you did them because they were too laborious on Sundays. So one of the examples was you could knead bread on Saturday and bake it on Sunday. That way you w- wouldn't violate the, the, sa- the, the Sabbath precept. So for us, it was the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which was first uh, kind of spread in Europe by the Franciscans. And Don, we were- Don Scotus. Don Scotus. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then in, in 1290, um, in our convent in Barcelona, it was the feast day. And well, they said, uh, we don't have enough bread. We're just going to make some more bread and need some bread for the, the friars. Well, that would have been a violation of, of the, the Lord's precept and to, to not work, to rest on feast days. So the friar needed the bread and then it turned to blood as a sign of this is the Lord's day. Keep it holy and celebrate the Immaculate Conception in the order. Mm-hmm. So our wow. community, even before uh, it was spread throughout the rest of Spain, uh, one of our friars, uh, St. Peter Pascasius, whose feast day was uh, December 6th, so two days ago, he was writing about the Immaculate Conception uh, while he was bishop, even in the, in the 1240s. Mm. Mm-hmm. Then you also make the uh, connection to the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So, so the Eucharist... Uh, is one of is the principal act of redemption of Christ. It makes present the Paschal mystery of of our Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, in looking towards the Eucharist as the uh, present representation, the present act of of what caused the Immaculate Conception. So, in in the collect for the Immaculate Conception, uh, you have it right here. I'll I'll just uh, yeah. read it. O God, who by the immaculate conception of the Blessed Virgin prepared a worthy dwelling for your Son, grant, we pray, that as you preserved her from every stain by virtue of the death of your Son, which you foresaw, so through her intercession we too may be cleansed and admitted to your presence. So that line, by the virtue of the death of your Son, is what we celebrate every time we go to Mass, the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So the same grace that preserved Mary as, as immaculate from the beginning of her conception is offered to us every time we go to Mass. Can you expand on that? What, what do you mean by same grace? So obviously Mary had a singular grace. She was the only one conceived uh, from the moment of her conception immaculately. Mm-hmm. But the same um, merits, so the, the death of Jesus was applied to Mary at the moment she was conceived. So her own son, uh, that's that's the beauty of God in his infinite love for us works outside of time. Mm-hmm. But that same act of love, the death of, of our savior on the cross is offered to us as well. So that was so beautiful today in the reflection uh, that you were having before of Mary uh, is somehow viewed as holier than us. But, but God offers us the means of holiness that Mary also had, the, the death of Jesus, which is most perfectly expressed today uh, in, in the Mass. 
Beautiful. That is beautiful. Uh, uh, Brother Kevin Cush from the Mercedarians is with us here in the cafe. What, uh, Cam, your, your mic. Um, what, what was your comment about um, the Lord's desire to save us? Remember that from the reflection? I, I can't remember how you said it. Um, it might have just been coming out of my mouth. I'm not going <laughs> to What That was half well, an hour ago, I, Dave. <laughs> his, his longing, his desire uh, to save us, it, it, that's the same love, the same grace that he showed to Mary mm, is available to us. Of course. This point. Mary received it in, in a special way. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't want us to be free from sin either. Mm-hmm. He invites us to, to that life of holiness and intimacy with him, just as he invited Mary and Joseph. I think at some point in my life, um, before I had a deeper relationship with Mary, it, it was almost difficult to call upon her or relate to her because I just had this kind of maybe false idea mm-hmm. of, yeah, well, it must be pretty great when you have your freed from original sin. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was almost hard to go to her because it just seemed like, um, obviously she is so perfect, but it, she almost seemed unattainable because I guess I was operating under this opinion of she just didn't struggle or does that make sense? Yeah. No, it, I had, I had the same. Uh, then you, you bring St. Joseph you know, into the mix. Well, yeah, I mean, He's spending his entire day with the Blessed Mother and Jesus. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so so somehow that's so much easier for him, yeah. and in a way unattainable. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the point I think that came out in Father Toop's re- reflection is under our own power, it is unattainable, mm-hmm. and we're not going to get there on our own. But with God's grace, it's very much attainable. Right. Right. Which, brother, you're making the point that he does offer us that grace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and we talk about St. Joseph living with Mary and living with Jesus. Jesus is present in our tabernacles, in our churches. Mm -hmm. We can go and spend our time with him, and and he will shower his graces on us just as he he showed his great love to Joseph. I think similarly to a lot of people have said a lot of Christian people have said, oh, but if I just lived in the time of Jesus, and I'm like, but you do, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, People will say, I I wish he were available to me the way he was to Mary and Joseph, the way he was to the apostles. Well, yes, and more, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That that we actually get to consume him in the Eucharist that way. And he himself says, it's better for you that I go. Wait, Mm -hmm. what? Right, yeah, that... That he dwells so intimately with us in the Eucharist, and he sent his Holy Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. Mm. From the reflection today, Romans. Yeah, at the, yeah Romans chapter 8. That's, yeah. Never alone. Yeah, that's right. Grace is available to us and to call upon that grace, right? I mean, that's what one thing that we highlighted today in our reflection was, or at least the thing that's really stood out to me is you need God's help and he's eager to help. Was there a time, uh, brother, uh, 
brother Kevin Cush from the Mercedarians. Were you realized how much you need needed God's help? Hmm. I I would say in high school was when I I first prayed, Lord, I need you. Because uh, I I went to public school and just craziness of of life today. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe not you, Dave, but some of us growing up with cell phones, growing up with (laughs) uh, so much. (laughs) It's true. The the craziness of the world. (laughs) Yeah. I, I just remember going to adoration and saying, Lord, I need you. Maybe, yeah. maybe we uh, kind of glorify a, a old day or the time of Jesus or the time of uh, when some of our, our parents and grandparents were, but simpler time, simpler time, but, yeah. but we need Jesus just as much as they did today. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I going through high school, um, just the normal difficulties that everyone has, um, but, but turning to, to Jesus, especially in the Eucharist, and turning to Mary, that she never, she'll never fail any of her children. Mm-hmm. Actually, those are the two shortest prayers I find myself saying most often. Is help. Mm-hmm. I'll just say, mm-hmm. Lord, help. <laughs> um, and then the other is mom. Just that when I'm in a situation where I don't know how to navigate this, I'll just say, mom. And those are my two shortest prayers that I go to a lot of times. So beautiful. Those are good prayers. Yeah. <laughs> really good prayers. I have a friend who uh, has described this story to me more than once about when he was really uh, just angry and upset with God. He went to do his morning prayer time and he sat down and he goes, no, I'm, I'm actually God, Father, I love you, but I'm not going to talk to you today. Mother Mary, I'm going to talk to you. Because <laughs> where, where do you go when, when you're upset with dad as you go to mom? Right? So, um, we're we're kind of twofold blessed in that way. And of course, where does, where does Mary then lead us back to is back to God um, mm-hmm. in, in that prayer process too. Brother Kevin Cush here in the cafe with us this morning on this, the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Let's talk more about the Mercedarians. Um so you have the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and then there's also a fourth vow. Yes, we also take a fourth vow to give our lives, if necessary, for Christians who are at risk of losing the faith. So in the uh, 1200s, 1300s, in Spain uh, was the time of the, the Reconquest. So Muslims occupied uh, parts of Spain, and they would take Christians as captives, and they would try to force them to convert. And if they didn't, they would make their lives difficult in slavery and in servitude. So the Mercedarians, our original act of uh, redemption, was going to the lands of the Muslims and buying back Christians to give them their freedom. So today, uh, we're not doing that type of work. We're not exchanging ourselves physically, but it's a spiritual offering of our entire lives for those who are at risk of, of losing the faith. What, what examples maybe could you give in kind of Mm -hmm. this spiritual realm? Mm -hmm. So the most concrete way that our charism takes form today, uh, is through prison ministry. Mm. So going and visiting the captives, uh, 
I was captive and you came and visited me. Mm-hmm. So seeing Jesus present in those who um, are are not available, to, uh, who are at risk of losing the faith in, in prison, but also um, in a spiritual way, even in parishes. Uh, when the line for confessions is long, saying, Lord, I, I don't hear confessions, but, but my brothers, priests in the community do, um, setting captives free. That being kind of the the lens in which we view all of our ministry as a Mercedarian. So a Franciscan might view poverty and serving Christ to his poor as the lens for all of his ministry. Right. For us, it's it's freedom and, and the redeeming love of Christ. Do the Mercedarians then look uh, specifically to uh, the United States as mission territory in in that respect? I mean, all, all the ways that we've lost our freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our, so our, it, our, our spiritual freedom I'm talking about. Yeah, of course. Historically, our order uh, has been more in Hispanic-speaking, Spanish-speaking countries, so in mm-hmm. Spain and in South America. But our order first came to the United States uh, to assist with the Italian immigrants who in the early 20th century were persecuted because of their faith for being Catholics and the opposition to, to immigration that was present in the in the early 20th century. So standing up for the rights of those who are persecuted. So I think today we're in prime mission territory once again. Uh, people who, if, if you're a believing Catholic, the world is going to be opposed to you. And the presence of not just the Mercedarians, but the church to stand up with you and against a, a culture that's increasingly opposed to us. Mm-hmm. So is that the the proper charism then of the Mercedarians, setting captives free? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's that's what we're all about, mm-hmm. setting captives free. Um, the motto of the order is Redemptionum misit populo suo, the Lord sent redemption to his people. So so setting his people from free, which we can trace that all the way through salvation history. Uh, our Lord leading the people of Israel free from slavery in Egypt mm. to to the greatest fulfillment of that is, is Jesus on the cross, setting us free from our captivity to sin. And, and today, um, it might not be the Moors who are taking Christians slaves in, in medieval Spain, but we're still captive to so many um, sins, addictions that are, are just as prevalent in our culture and maybe more so than they were 800 years ago. Well, I, I think of Mother um, uh, Teresa and, and the way that she saw the crisis you know, in, in America and the, the poverty that she saw here uh, was much different from the poverty that she encountered in India. But she, paraphrasing, said, our, our poverty here is in many ways so much worse mm-hmm. uh, The it's the the spiritual poverty, and and I you know sometimes it takes somebody that isn't as uh, immersed in the culture, you know, an outsider, so to speak, to to really have that lens to see what the real what what the what the real challenges are here. So. Absolutely. I I have heard missionaries talk about yeah just the difference between mission. To- territory of maybe a third world country versus America and and how because of poverty you know not only physical poverty 
there's just such a eagerness to receive our Lord where maybe because of our lack of poverty, it's, it's hard to break into those hearts. Well, we think we have it all going on here. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's an affluence, there's a, uh, so much readily available in front of us. And it goes back to the comments earlier about really recognizing how much we need God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when you have an affluence, when you have a lot of material comforts and even, uh, help in terms of counseling or therapy or pharmaceuticals or, or whatever that are really, um, helpful to the extent, but it's not going to get us all the way to where we need to go. And there's only one person that, that can do that. And that's the person that came to save us. Right. Yeah. And why humility is so important. Mm -hmm. And, and to never despair that even, even if our country might be in a dark place right now, spiritually Mm -hmm. to always turn and look to our lady that at the moment of her immaculate conception, she was the only person in the entire world freed from sin. She was the singular light of, of freedom, that anticipation. So in a world of darkness, uh, Mary was that singular light. Mm-hmm. I, we, we need to turn to her today. Mm-hmm. We're in also a time of spiritual darkness, uh, of people not recognizing the presence of God, who are not practicing the faith. Mary knows what that's like. She knows that. She went through that. And to, to turn and look to her is, is that example of, of tranquility in the midst of the stormy sea. That's, it, really, that's really good, brother, because I think a lot of people can probably relate to Our Lady in that way because I think of like when you go home to your family, if, if, if one's family isn't as... Um, sold out for their religion, for their Catholicism as you are, or maybe they're not even Catholic to begin with, or not even Christian to begin with, or maybe you go into your workplace every day and you're, you feel very isolated in that way that, that Mary felt that first in her own way, but she didn't, you know, fall into that sin of despair. She didn't fall into that, um, oh, woe is me mentality, right? (laughs) But in her humility recognized, oh, that means God gets to do something with me here. And she didn't turn to bitterness and anger and mm. resentment against the world. She was always humble and let let thy will be done. Always trying to bring the, the presence of our Lord to the world. Where she, I, I, I imagine Mary when she was a young girl, she, she wasn't judging the other young girls when she was playing with because they, they were sinful and she wasn't. It was... Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for me. May my son accomplish the same thing with others. Mm-hmm. Fiat. Fiat. That's right. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of uh, Carol's uh, favorite. Uh, yeah. Fiat. Just your will. Your will, Lord. Mm-hmm. So. Brother Kevin Cush from the Mercedarians here. So now in your journey... Um, towards the priesthood, your one theology, first theology at the Josephinum. Mm-hmm. 
where are you in your vows with the Mercedarians? Yeah, so I just professed first vows mm -hmm. on August 22nd uh, this past fall. Okay. So I'm in my first year of, of religious life um, in temporary vows. Okay. Mm -hmm. When did you receive the habit? I received the habit September 1st of 2022. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Will you, in within the Mercedarian order, Will you keep your name, your mm -hmm. baptismal name? We okay. keep, uh, we we have the tendency to keep our, our baptismal name. Mm -hmm. we, I know some communities like to, to change their name, but we've uh, always kind of viewed our baptismal consecration as our primary uh, consecration to God and to, to keep that name by which we were first called by the Lord. Mm -hmm. What's it like on campus at the Josephinum? Um, because you, you, you have a witness then to your brothers as, as well. I mean, you, you bring such a unique, um, not unique, uh, uh, maybe a, a, a fresher um, perspective being religious as opposed to diocesan. You see where I'm going with mm -hmm. that? So of course. is it something that, um, you know, a lot of guys aren't, a lot of people aren't familiar with a, the religious vocation. Well, I think firstly, I my habit is white, so being the the white habit in the sea of all black <laughs> makes me stick out a little bit more, especially on picture day, right? <laughs> yes, yes. But I think also, um, so so being a religious, having professed the vows of poverty, chastity, obedience, and the fourth vow, um, but the three evangelical councils are not just for religious. Um, we're all called to be obedient, firstly to God, but even in our family, in families, uh, husband to his wife, wife to his husband, uh, obedience and poverty. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole church, in priests especially, are called to simplicity of life um, and, and chastity, not just, okay, I'm not going to get married, but to live fully and to love our Lord with all of our lives. So I, I'm not going to say I'm a perfect example of that for the Josephinum, but I think it, it does call um, our, our brothers there, the presence of religious, to to point towards towards the eternal. Mm -hmm. And it's also nice because I, I don't live there, so all the others I was just going to say that because you live in community. Mm -hmm. I live in community. So to, to show the value and the importance of community. So in, in diocesan seminaries, they live in community for a period of six or six to nine years while they're in seminary, and then they go off to their parish, where I live in community now, and I'll live in community, uh, if God wills it, until the day I die. Um, so it, the, the importance of, of community life, not just something to, to get through, something to, to embrace as a means of, of loving others. Mm -hmm. I've heard it once stated that community life can be a likened to a rock tumbler where our Lord gives us those people around us, not only to love us, but also to smooth us out. Mm -hmm. I, I would absolutely agree. And, and the longer you're in community, the more you see the own rough edges of your yeah. own self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I think of that sometimes, um, just coming, being in lay community also, you know, mm -hmm. just in everyday life, this, I, and especially, trying to find particular community to be a part of it's it's 
we do have to, wherever the Lord calls us to, to love those he has given us and not run away from from those difficult situations because maybe in particular that's where we're called to to love and to serve and to not, I guess, run away from the difficult situations or the difficult people um, because our, our lives aren't supposed to be kind of protected in that way but to be lived out. Well, there's a certain transiency, right, in, in our culture where if you don't like your community, you just move on and find mm-hmm. a different community. So there isn't that uh, that commitment um, that maybe there once was, and, right. and there certainly continues to be in religious communities. But I think there's a, a lesson there too, brother, for all of us is is to tough it out, right? Mm-hmm. To to uh, have that that desire for stability uh, and and to work together. Mm-hmm. And and we're friars, so finding that stability in the midst of of a changing world. I could be assigned to a different house in a different continent, but finding the stability in in the community, in our Lord, and in the in the Mercedarian order. So it, not just a stability to to one place, as maybe a monk would. So a monk is uh, takes a vow of stability to his community, where we don't do that as friars. But finding right. our stability in 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 our Lord. Can mm-hmm. we get controversial? Of course. <laughs> okay. Outside of being in Columbus, what's uh-huh. what's the dream assignment for the Mercedarians? Like Maui, is, <laughs> is there? A, is... I don't. I don't think uh, there's any plans to go to Maui anytime soon. <laughs> All right, but we do have a house in Florida. Okay, uh, for some of uh, we have some older friars who are there now, but uh, Saint Peter Nalasco in Saint Petersburg, Florida. Uh, so there is a community in Florida if you do need uh, some warm weather. <laughs> Well, I would think, uh, and then how many houses are there in Spain? I I believe over 30 houses in Spain. Wow. Mm-hmm. So plenty, in, and then also in Italy, we're uh, all over the country in Italy, and we're in most countries in South America. Mm-hmm. We're in Africa, in Mozambique, Angola, uh, Cameroon, and also wow. we're in India. So really all across the world. Nice. And, and in the U.S., you're... We're, we're here in Columbus. We're in Cleveland, Ohio, Philadelphia, uh, upstate New York in the Diocese of Buffalo, and Philadelphia and St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. Well, then I would say Columbus is the dream assignment <laughs> here, here in the U.S. You're not biased. No. no. <laughs> I mean, you can visit Florida, right? But, mm-hmm. but you, you would want to come back to Columbus. I, I love Columbus. Uh, just being here a few months... I, I, I've enjoyed my time here, and especially the church here is great. Mm-hmm. Getting to meet uh, so many faithful at the different parishes and so, so many wonderful priests here in Columbus, it's really a, a blessing. Yeah, let's remind ourselves um, how, how blessed we are to have uh, the community, uh, the Catholic community here in Columbus and how uh, grateful we are to be a part of it with, uh, with our ministry. Um, what what's your advice or your um, encouragement, brother, uh, brother Kevin Cush from the Mercedarians, uh, for for our friends that are listening for this Advent? We'd say the best advice I I could give is very appropriate for for the feast day we're celebrating today. The the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception is the best person to look to to 
to learn how to be receptive to Jesus. So in Advent, we're uh, awaiting the coming of the Lord. So at the end of time, when everything will be brought to, to fulfillment and completion, but then also later in Advent, looking to, to Christ's coming in, in the manger in Bethlehem, is looking to our Mary, to, to our Mother Mary, as the perfect model of receptivity to, to Jesus. This sounds all high uh, theology, but, but simply, Mary, teach me how to open my heart to Jesus. Mary, teach me how to love Jesus more like you love him. That's uh, kind of the perfect, perfect theme of Advent, is to turn to Mary as the best witness and mother of how to, to open our hearts to Jesus. And today is a great day to start that. Amen. So, so if you, if you haven't jumped into your Advent yet, friends, uh, make that start today. Uh, plenty of opportunities. It is an obligation, but look at it as a, a great opportunity uh, if you you know to start your Advent if you haven't, and to to start that relationship with our, our Blessed Mother if you haven't uh, begun that relationship. Because as uh, his brother says, and uh, Amanda, you made this point as well that um, mom. Help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Brother Kevin Kush, thanks for being with us here in the cafe. Great getting to know you. Uh, say hi to Father Daniel and the others. Of course. Uh, they're at, at Holy Family. Uh, friends, we have some prayer requests. Uh, let's take these uh, with us into, into the weekend. These have come in, and you can submit your prayer requests uh, by calling us here at the uh, station, 614 459 Four eight two zero, or also by going uh, online to stgabrielradio.com. We have uh, prayers for Maria and her health, for uh, good Christian media and Christian culture in America, uh, a lady asking for fertility in their marriage, and uh, prayers for the repose of the soul of Gail, uh, who passed away earlier this year. So again, you can submit your prayer requests at stgabrielradio.com. Amanda, your takeaways from this first week of Advent. Hmm. Yeah, I think Father has been leading us through kind of, it seems, as just a basis of preparing our hearts. Are we being available? Are we, are we going, are we putting our standards to a certain place that we can be available to God? Are we loving well? Um, and then today, are we are we going to him for help? And so, yeah, I think I'm going to take some time to just kind of review the whole week and see the message that the Lord has for me in, in the midst of all of it. We love doing it with all of you. So let's continue to pray for each other. And today of all days, turn to mom. Mm-hmm. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Amen. We'll see you Monday morning at 8 o'clock. Joining us will be Deacon Jeffrey Fortcamp and Rich Finn from Catholic Cemeteries of Columbus. God bless you all. Have a great weekend.